0: Welcome to Bible Stories with Dad, where I read a Bible story. So today we're looking in Luke chapter 15, starting around verse 11, with a story that's commonly titled The Prodigal Son. It's a pretty well-known story. A lot of people have at least heard of it if they haven't heard the story, but we'll go through it anyway. So Jesus is telling the story, and if you look back a little bit, sometimes you have to go back to see what's going on. You look back a little bit, he's talking to some tax collectors and some uh, other people that are described as sinners. But uh, the, the Pharisees and the, the scribes, so the people who think that they're really good and they're, they're the best and all of that, they're around too, and they're complaining that Jesus is eating with these tax collectors and these other people who aren't real good about following God's law. As he's talking, he tells this story. He says, a guy had two kids, two sons. And the younger one says to his dad, basically, uh, Hey, Dad, um, I'm really looking forward to getting my inheritance. And you're getting old, but you don't seem like you're going to die anytime soon. And I don't get the stuff until you die, so if you could just hurry up and do that, or be dead to me anyway, and give me all the stuff that I'm getting whenever you die, gee, that'd be great, because your stuff is more important to me than you are. And I mean, he doesn't say it in quite those words, and if you read it, and you just read it, it doesn't sound nearly that bad, but in reality, that that's kind of in that context and in that time, that's kind of what he's saying. He's basically saying, Hey dad, you know what? Um, your stuff is more important to me than you are. And I'd like to just have the stuff, you know, that would be great. You're fine and all, but your stuff would be better. And the dad says, all right, fine. And he takes his estate, takes all that he has and divides out what would have been the younger one's share, which would have been a third because the older one would get a double portion or a double share. So he gives the younger one his share and the younger one heads out, takes the money and spends it, heads out into a distant country, uh, spends it on, you know, all kinds of stuff. If we're making it kind of like today, maybe he's spending it on video games and he's he's partying and uh, going out eating junk food every day and whatever else just absolutely wasting it he's not working a job he's not investing the money he's not buying anything of value he's literally just wasting all of this money and then it runs out and after it runs out there's a famine and it's a really bad famine and he's he's out of money he doesn't have a whole lot of options so he goes out he finds the only job that he can find um working for somebody that lives in that country, and he's sent out to the field to feed pigs. Now, that doesn't sound too bad at the end of the day, feeding pigs. I mean, yeah, probably messy and probably hard work. But being a pig farmer, you know, there's a lot worse out there you could do. But understand, this is a story about a Jewish person, two other Jewish people who are under the law, okay? And under the law, pigs are unclean. Jewish people aren't associating with pigs at that point. They're not eating pork, they're not eating ham, they're not eating bacon. None of those delicious foods are available to them. Pigs are unclean. They don't go near pigs. They're not gonna touch pigs. They're not gonna have anything to do with them. Well this guy is so impoverished, so poor. This guy is is so out of options that That's all he has available to him is to do that. And it gets so bad that what he's feeding the pigs, he's wishing he could eat that even. He's wishing he could eat the the slop that he's feeding the pigs. And finally, he comes to his senses and he's like, you know... My dad had a bunch of hired guys working for him. And, you know, they had plenty enough bread to eat. And here I'm dying of hunger. So he gets this plan in his mind. He's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to say to dad, hey, look, dad, I know I messed up. And, and I know I don't deserve to even be called your son anymore. Um, I've done all this terrible wrong against you. Won't you please let me just work for you as a hired servant, as as one of the the hired guys that works for you? So he gets up and he heads back to his dad. And uh, his dad's been watching for him. Now, we don't know exactly how long this has happened, how long this took. It's a story that's being told. It's not that this actually happened and Jesus is relating what's actually happened. It's a story to tell a point, to illustrate something. But presumably it's been a while. Presumably, it took a while for him to spend all of his money and to get to this super low point in his life. But he's coming back, and his dad's still watching for him. And you get the impression that dad's been standing there watching for him every day, watching for his son to come back. Probably has heard all of the terrible things that his son's been doing about how he squandered his money. Remember, this son, was the, the prodigal son here, insulted his dad really badly basically said you're more you're worth more dead than alive to me is basically what he said took the money and ran was the equivalent of saying you're dead to me this is not a nice loving relationship that the son had with the father and the father's still out there watching for him and finally out in the distance he sees the son coming And the father feels compassion for him. He loves this son. And so he runs out. He doesn't walk out. He doesn't kind of head out to meet him. He runs out and he hugs him and he kisses him. And the son says to him, Dad, I've I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore. And the father says to, you know, the other servants, the people that work for him, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. And that ring would signify that he's a son, that he's, you know, part of the family. Put shoes on his feet. Guy's barefoot. I mean, he spent all he had. Go get the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. They're going to have this feast. You know, that would be something you would save for a really special celebration. This son of mine was dead, and now he's come back to life. He's here again. He was lost, and now he's been found. And so they start to celebrate. And it's this beautiful story of us whenever we're, you know, lost in sin, and Jesus wants to rescue us even in the midst of our sin when we're not very lovable, God still loves us and wants to save us and provided that path through Jesus. But the story's not over there. A lot of times we stop there, but the story's not over there because, you see, the dad had two sons. So what about the other son? Well, the other son, the older son, is out in the field, and he's working. And he comes back towards the house because he sees, you know, there's, there's music going on and dancing and celebrating. And so he calls one of the servants over, and he starts asking, hey, what's going on? Why is everybody celebrating? I, I didn't think there was a the party on the calendar. You know, like, nobody sent me a message. Nobody told me what's going on. What's going on? And the servant says to him, hey, your brother came home, and your father's having this big celebration because he came back safe and sound. And so the older son's all excited and comes in to celebrate, right? Well, no, no, he's he's not happy at all, and he won't come in. He stays out because, you know, he doesn't want to go in the house and be any part of this. And the father comes out and starts asking him, you know, come on in. Why won't you come in? And the son's mad. The older son's mad. He's not just unhappy. He's not just disappointed. He's mad. He's like, you know, I've been working for you for years. I've never not done what you've asked me to do. I've always been there, you know, trying to, to work for you and to advance your, your cause and, and help you out and all of that. And I never even got like a young goat that I could have a a feast and a celebration with my friends. But this son of yours, doesn't even call him his brother, this son of yours came back, having wasted your wealth with all kinds of terrible stuff, you take the fatted calf and you kill it for him. And the dad says, you know, son, you've always been with me, and you know everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this and rejoice, because your brother was dead And now he's alive again. I mean, he wasn't literally dead, but he was effectively dead. Now he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. You see, one of the things we get out of this, the second brother, which was actually the first brother, didn't realize that he was messing up. The first brother, who actually came second, because, you know, he was the younger one. So the second brother was first, and the first brother was second. It's confusing, but stick with me here. The second brother, who was actually older, the first brother... Uh, he didn't realize that he was in the wrong. The first brother, who was the younger one and came second, he knew he was wrong. He came back knowing he messed up. He came back looking for forgiveness. And you see, one of the things that Jesus illustrates with this story so well, there are times when we know we need forgiveness, and we know we're messed up. And then there are times when we're looking down on somebody else thinking they're pretty messed up, like this second brother who was actually first, and we're thinking, you know, they're messed up, they need forgiveness, they need Jesus, and we don't realize that we do too. Thanks for joining me. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week, and I'll see you next time.